he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So the title of this message is Jesus and the First Four Disciples. Jesus and the First Four Disciples. We know eventually he's going to call his 12, but right now he has four, okay? So when you hear the word follow, what do you think of? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Nathaniel? Following somebody? somebody? Yeah. Perhaps you think of social media, like Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, those, those applications where you can follow people, right? So I looked up the top follower, the top uh, followers for each of those things. For Instagram, do you guys know? Who knows? The top four followers, the top four most followed people on Instagram. Kylie Jenner is not on there. The first one is Instagram, the, plat- the official platform. It has, I didn't write down how many followers, but that's number one. Number two, Cristiano Ronaldo, a soccer player. He has 238 million followers. That's followed by Ariana Grande, 201 million, and then The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. He has 196 million followers. That's on Instagram, okay? On Twitter, Obama has the most followers at 122.3 million, followed by Justin Bieber, followed by Katy Perry. TikTok, Charlie D'Amelio, I might not be saying that right, 68.4 million followers, followed by Addison Rae, and then Zach King, who uh, I think is a magician or something. Yeah, they're real nice, that's good. Yeah, okay. So these, these, maybe you thought of that when I said the word follow, right? You, you might even think of who you're following at this current moment or who's following you. And one of your goals might be to have as many followers as you can get, right? You might even know the exact number of followers you have right now or the exact number of people you're following. Just curious, are any of you following these people that I just mentioned? Okay, so you're not one of the millions of people that follow these people's lives, right? They post something and then you get notified and then you can see what's going on in their life. Maybe you thought of following like the arrows when you walked in or following all the rules about wearing masks, especially during these days. You're thinking about, oh, it's following rules and guidelines and procedures and policies everywhere you go, right? At school or even at church, at the grocery store, wherever you go now. There's rules you need to follow, and you might think of that. Or maybe like Nathaniel, you're, since you're here at youth group, when I said the word follow, you thought, oh, follow Jesus, of course, right? Um, so today we're going to see what that really means. And the, a question for you guys is, 
Do you know why you follow Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Um, these are crucial questions to understand and to be able to answer, right? Because it's easy to follow someone on social media. You just click the subscribe button or the, the follow button and, and there, you're, you're up to date with everything that's going on. Following Jesus requires a little bit more connection than just pushing a button. It requires a, a commitment more than just the superficial one that you get when you follow someone else like a celebrity or a famous influencer on social media. So today, we're gonna to learn about discipleship. We're gonna see what it means to be a true follower of Christ. If you uh, are someone that says you know Jesus Christ, you'll, you'll see what it means to be a true follower. If you're not, then you'll know that you're not and you'll want to follow him. We'll also learn what's involved in being a disciple, okay? So we're gonna see in Jesus calling these first four disciples what it, it looks like what it means to follow after him and we'll see why they responded to his call and how they responded to his call because it's not every day that someone can just go up to you and say hey follow me and then you follow them right that doesn't happen how does it happen when Jesus does it why does it happen when he calls his disciples they immediately leave what they're doing they know there's a cost of following him and they start committing their entire life to Jesus. How is he able to do that? How does he have such authority and power to be able to call someone and immediately they follow after him? So we're going to see what that looks like in, in, in this passage tonight. We're going to learn that following Jesus isn't just about following a set of rules like, going, like the COVID stuff. It isn't just clicking the follow button on social media. It's going to mean a lot more than that. So we're going to see two things. Two calls to discipleship. He's going to call two sets of brothers, and they're both fishermen. First, he's going to call Simon and Andrew. And second, he's going to call James and John. So let's look at verses 16 and 18. That's the calling of Simon and Andrew. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and Jesus said to them follow me and I will make you become fishers of men and immediately they left their nets and followed him so you can imagine Jesus is walking alongside the Sea of Galilee he sees these two brothers they're in the Sea of Galilee and they're fishing okay they're casting their net into the sea and this is the first mention of Simon and Andrew in Mark's gospel but this is not the first time that Simon and Andrew have met Jesus. They've met him before. Mark just doesn't give us that account, but John does. In John chapter 1, verse 35, um, it says this. The next day, again, John, that's talking about John the Baptist, he was standing with two of his disciples. So we know John the Baptist had his own disciples, too. The two disciples mentioned are Andrew, which is the same one mentioned here, and John, who's the writer of the Gospel of John. It says, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He, Jesus says to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. That's talking about Andrew and John again. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. 
for it was about the 10th hour, one of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So we see that Andrew had heard John the Baptist announce, behold the Lamb of God, as Jesus was coming nearby. And what Andrew saw and heard convinced him that what Jesus, what he said, behold the Lamb of God was true, and he started to follow Jesus. I don't know if it's up there, but look at verse 38. In verse 38, it says, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said, where are you staying? They said to Jesus, where are you staying? In other words, wherever Jesus, wherever you're going, that's where we want to join, that's where we want to go too. We want to join you wherever you're going. So Jesus invites them to join him and they spend the rest of that day with him. And we're not told exactly what happened that night when they, that they spent with Jesus, but whatever it was, it convinced Andrew and John of something amazing because in John chapter 1, verse 41, we're told that Andrew goes that same night to, t to find his brother, his brother Simon, who's also Peter, and says to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ or the anointed one. So Andrew spends his day with Jesus and he, he goes right away to tell his brother about, about it. He says, we found the Messiah. And we can't overlook the significance of that statement. It's a big time announcement. It shows his confidence in the person of Jesus and commitment to him. And what's the first thing that Andrew does? We can't miss that point either. The first thing Andrew does, his first impulse was to go tell his brother Simon about Jesus. He hears about Jesus, he spends time with Jesus, and now he wants to go tell someone else about Jesus. And he goes to tell his brother. And this is something we can learn from. Once you know Jesus, you'll want to start to tell others about him too. So I encourage you to start talking about Jesus to your, to your neighbors and friends and classmates. Invite them out to church. Invite them out to this youth group. Because if you know Christ, then you will also want to not just know him, but to make him known to others, right? It's not, it's not something you keep in, to your, to your, in yourself, but it's something that you want others to know as well because he is the good news, that he's the way to salvation. So now let's get back to our passage. So it's clear that Simon and Andrew, at this point, they're back to fishing, right? They were, Andrew was following Jesus that day, spent some time with him, told his brother about him, but now they're back to fishing. So we see them fishing, but today this is not gonna be just any regular day for them. Christ will come and call them into permanent service. He's gonna call them to follow him as disciples. For now, um, later on they're gonna be called, they're gonna be summoned or called into becoming apostles and they're gonna be the foundation of the church but right now they're just gonna be disciples. They're gonna be learners. They're gonna be those who follow Jesus and learn from him and, and see what it means to live a life that, that models his life. So Mark tells us that they were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. So fishing we, we learned here is what Simon and Andrew did for a living. It's how they earned uh, money. It's what they did day in and day out except since we already kind of know this account, except this day wasn't gonna be a routine day for them. 
This was gonna be a day that they would remember for the rest of their lives. This was gonna be a day that would change the trajectory of their lives forever. Mark tells us they were casting their net into the sea. So casting a net into the sea, that means they were in the middle of doing their work. They were in the middle of casting a net into the sea and then Jesus calls them, says, follow me. So, uh, so Jesus walks along and he sees them. And before we get to the call, I wanna mention that there's gonna be three things that happen in both the call of Simon and Andrew and the calling of James and John. Those three things are the unparalleled call, the unquestionable cause, and the undeniable commitment. Those three things we're gonna see in the calling of uh, both Andrew and Simon, Simon and Andrew, and James and John. So the unparalleled call, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. This is Jesus speaking, right? This is an unparalleled call. It was a command, meaning it was an imperative. This wasn't something that was up for negotiation or bartering. And you're gonna see this, right? He calls them and immediately they're gonna follow him. They don't, they're not gonna go finish their work and then follow him. They're not gonna go tell their family. They, they immediately leave their nets and follow him. This is not just the, not only is the call unparalleled, but also the one who calls. This is Jesus. Again, as I talked about in the beginning, how is it that Jesus can call people and they follow him? He's unique. He's different from any other person that would say, hey, come follow me. You'd be like, why? Who are you? But when Jesus calls, he has the authority and the power to call those whom he wants and then they have no other choice than to follow him, okay? And this wasn't the norm. In that culture, rabbis didn't call their followers. You would never see a rabbi initiate a teacher-student relationship. Rather, the pupil or the aspiring student would be the one who would seek out uh, a teacher or a mentor. And, and today, that would be like how you would choose to, what college to go to, right? Or if you, if you were going into a trade as an apprentice, you would search for a, a mentor or a master teacher that you would go to. So what Jesus does here is the reverse of what was common in that society. And, and Jesus also calls his disciples to do something different. The rabbis would call his, their disciples to follow uh, the study of the law. But Jesus calls his followers to not follow some, some form of teaching or some sacrament or some ethic, but he says, follow, he says, follow me. He's calling them to follow a person himself. This is different than what the scribes and, and religious teachers of that day did. They weren't, Jesus was saying, follow me, follow in me. And as we've already learned, he can say that because in the Old Testament, the prophets spoke about a Messiah who would come. The prophets spoke of a Messiah who would come. And as we've learned in Mark, the beginning of Mark begins with John the Baptist coming to prepare the way for the Messiah. And Jesus arrives, he's baptized and commissioned by the Father and the Holy Spirit. And now it's not like the days of the prophets. The prophets called people to follow after God. They pointed people to God. But now Jesus, since he's born, since he's in the flesh, since he's walking the earth, he doesn't have to call people to follow God. He calls people to follow him because he is God, right? 
He has the authority and power to do that. He calls people to follow him. He's not pointing people to God like the prophets did. He's pointing people to himself because he's the son of God. And this shows the, the difference between the scribes, the rabbis of Judaism and the person of Jesus Christ. He's the one who calls. He's the one who determines the call. This was Jesus's will and sovereign choice and we know because he initiates it. He's the one that says, hey, you two, follow me. He's, he's the one that initiates. In John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Simon and Andrew didn't search for Jesus. Jesus searched for them as they were fishing. Jesus goes into their working world of nets, of boats, dawn to dust labor, and catching fish. And Jesus says, follow me. And there's only one thing Simon and Andrew can do, and that's to follow him. They respond, they respond to the commanding word of Jesus. In previous weeks, we've learned that Jesus has authority over Satan, and Jesus has authority over sinners. He has absolute authority and possesses the divine right to demand and gain the allegiance he calls for. And let me make an important note here. When Jesus calls Simon and Andrew, or any one of us, to follow him, he wasn't calling them into a partnership of equals. He was calling them to be his followers and servants. We're not like, we're not to be Jesus, we're to follow him. He's our example. So he wasn't calling them to be a, an equal. He was calling them to be a follower, a learner, someone that would take his example and, and, and do likewise. This would include being with him, adopting his values and lifestyle, learning from him, attaching yourself to him, accepting his authority, and imitating his example. And these things that I just mentioned aren't just for these first four disciples. They're also for any true follower of Jesus Christ. Later in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus will expand his teaching on discipleship. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Discipleship involves dying to yourselves, dying to all your desires, dying to all your sense of self-justification and entitlement. You're to live for him, die to self and live for him. And Jesus not only calls them to himself, but next we see that Jesus also calls them in to do something, calls them to service. Look at what it says. Jesus was going um, to make them something that they were not yet. He was going to make them fishers of men. That was something that they weren't yet. At this point, they were fishermen, but Jesus was going to make them fishers of not fish, but of men. This is a promise. He was going to turn them into fishers of people. This was what Jesus would prepare and equip them to do, to send them out to fish for souls. And let's just talk a little bit about this word become because it says, I will make you become. The word become there, when you think about it, implies a process that's slow and long, a long and slow process. And that's what discipleship is. If you think about it, you don't just become something overnight. These fishermen weren't just gonna become fishers of men uh, in a short period of time. It was gonna take all of what Jesus would teach them before they would be able to, to do it. Um, 
So it would take time to turn these fishermen into men who would take the message of Jesus and advance his kingdom. He's going to train them to preach the gospel. He's going to train them to preach the gospel so that sinners would be saved. And the message that they're going to preach is the same one that Jesus came preaching. And we learned about this last week. Jesus came preaching, the time is fulfilled, repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of, his, the kingdom of God is at hand. So Jesus was going to train them. He was going to prepare them. He's going to transform them from sinners, and he's going to call them into service. The kingdom of God is going to advance through these disciples, these fishermen. And here we have the, our first hint at Jesus' death. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus' death. Jesus calls disciples to carry on the task that he's eventually going to disappear from because he's going he's gonna to die. He's going to be crucified and put to death. So Jesus understood his mission on earth wasn't going to be forever. We know his ministry lasted maybe about three years. So what does he do? He's, he's gonna, he calls these disciples. He's going to train them to carry on the mission. He's going to, and so that's what happens. To remind you, Simon and Andrew were fishermen. They're unprepared for the responsibility ahead of them. But in time, they would go from unprepared to men who would turn the whole world upside down. In time, they would take the gospel of God to where Jesus hadn't even gone and would confront men with the same message to repent and believe. And isn't it amazing that from the days of Jesus to now in 2020, the mission of Jesus is still continuing. That shows us the power of the gospel to save sinners all over the world. Nothing can stop the gospel from spreading to the ends of the earth. And from these very first disciples, from these very first fishers of men, the work has never stopped. And you and I are called to the same service of becoming fishers of men and taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear upon lost sinners. Like fishing, which involves much strain and long hours and often very little results, fishing for men is the same. Evangelism is worth the time, effort, dedication, and persistence because human souls are much more valuable than quote-unquote fish in the sea. When fish are snatched from the sea, they're caught, they're killed, they're cooked, and they're eaten. They're dead. They're consumed. However, when, you, when people are caught by the gospel, they don't lose their life. Instead, they're given new life. They're removed from eternal destruction and given everlasting life. That's why the task isn't easy, but it's a task that's worth it. And the process of becoming disciples of Jesus is a slow and often a painful one. And we'll see this as we move along Mark. The disciples don't always understand who Jesus is. They're not perfect, and they don't need to be perfect in order to, have, in order to follow Jesus. They'll often display a lack of faith, and they'll often fail him. But their role is still the same. They're to, it's an important and crucial and significant role that they have to, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. In fact, they'll eventually lose their lives for being followers of Jesus. And that tells us there's an unquestionable cost to following Jesus. 
That's the second thing. Verse 18, and immediately they left their nets. There's a cost there. There's a cost of following Jesus. For Simon and Andrew, it says they immediately left their nets. They left their career, their livelihood. They're going to do a different kind of fishing now. The call to discipleship is costly and one that you have to consider. It requires a separation from former allegiances in order to be free for allegiance to Jesus. Anything or anyone that would get in the way of Jesus must be abandoned. That's the cost of discipleship and of following Jesus. That doesn't mean that if you're working, that you quit your job, or if you're going to school, that you all of a sudden stop going to school because you become a passionate follower of Christ. It's not abandoning an earthly career or even abandoning education or anything else. It's abandoning, abandoning all other masters to follow Master Jesus. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. That means you can only follow, truly follow one thing at a time. And you want to follow Jesus because he's, he's the primary purpose in life. You no longer serve your own interests and desires, but those of Jesus who called you and saved you. John Calvin said, no man is qualified to be a disciple of Christ until he has been divested of self. What that means is you have to strip yourself of self-importance and Jesus then becomes a priority of your life. And we see that although there's a cost to following Jesus, Simon and Andrew respond immediately to the call to follow Christ. They act speedily. Their response demonstrates something about their faith. They saw the urgency in the message and it moves them to follow uh, Jesus. They understood that entering the kingdom of God was more important than everything else in life. And they had to drop everything and follow Jesus. In Mark 8, 36, it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Let's not forget, what were they doing? They were in the middle of casting their net. They understood the gravity of Jesus' call. They heard Jesus say, follow me. And what did they do? They immediately left their nets, and you can even almost hear them thinking to themselves, forget the nets. We don't, have, we don't have time. Let's not bother gathering it in. Just leave it in the sea. Jesus just called us to something far more important. There's a quote that says, it's, that says, it costs to follow Jesus Christ, but it costs more not to. It costs to follow Jesus Christ, but it costs more not to. There's not only an unquestionable cost, but there's also the third thing, an undeniable commitment that's necessary. And we see that in the end of verse 18. It says, and immediately they left their nets and they followed him. That's the commitment. There's an undeniable commitment. They left their nets and followed Jesus. They became his permanent disciples. They weren't gonna be fishermen any longer. They counted the cost and came to the conclusion that the best thing to do was follow Jesus. That's undeniable commitment. They obeyed Jesus' call to discipleship. We can't miss the authority of Jesus in this situation. 
again, to say the same thing. How can it be that someone can call people to follow him and they obey and surrender everything? Coming from anyone else, that would be outrageous or appalling. However, when it comes from the lips of Jesus, the Son of God, it's a different story. Because Jesus isn't just anyone. He's the Son of God. And let me ask you this question. Is it too much for Jesus to ask for complete commitment? Is it too much of Jesus to ask for total surrender and commitment? Let's not forget what Jesus is going to do since we know the whole story. We know what Jesus is eventually going to do for sinners. We know that Jesus' call to discipleship is asking less. He's asking less of Simon and Andrew and us than what he's going to give up. He's asking us to give up less than what he's actually going to give up. Because in Mark 10.45 it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is going to give his life as a ransom for many. He calls for a life of commitment, and it's not too much to ask. A life of commitment. Following Christ means daily living for him from this day until the day that you die. And that requires commitment. That requires a cost. It requires perseverance and sacrifice and submission and obedience. And without obedience, there's really no Christianity. Think about it. How can you be committed to Christ and not follow him? Because following entails commitment. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? This is Jesus speaking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? In other words, don't profess to know me and not do what I say. Don't say you're following me when you aren't cultivating a relationship with me. Don't say you're following me when your time is spent on other things and with other people. A failure to follow really means being committed to some other thing or person because following entails commitment. And I came across this, this story of a pig and a chicken, and it's very fitting here. The story goes like this. A pig and a chicken sharing the same barnyard heard about a church's program to feed the hungry. The pig and the chicken discussed how they could help. The chicken said, I've, I've got it. We'll provide bacon and eggs for the church to feed the hungry. The pig thought about the suggestion and said, there's one problem with your bacon and egg solution. For you, it only requires a contribution. But for me, it, it will mean total commitment. That's the cost of true discipleship. Are you contributing or committing? We want to be those who commit our lives to Jesus. That's the calling of Simon Andrew. And the calling of James and John, those same three things that we just looked at are going to be true. The unparalleled call, the unquestionable cause, and the undeniable commitment. And I'm only going to point out the differences in their, their, their section. Instead of casting a net, they were mending the nets. Okay, that's different. The, to mend your nets means they were getting ready for their next attempt at catching fish. To mend means to restore, to put in order, to, re to repair. So James and John were repairing the nets for their next trip out. 
But to their surprise, there wouldn't be a next trip out, right? Because Jesus is going to call them to follow him. They would no longer be mending nets and fishing. They're going to be now following after Christ. They leave their profession, they leave their profession, their work, they leave their possessions, the boat and their fishing equipment, and they also leave their father Zebedee along with the hired servants in the boat. Again, we see the cost and the commitment that that is involved to follow Jesus. And again, we should be astounded. Who is this that calls? Who is this that commands and people radically obey and leave everything to follow him? Who is he? How does he have such authority? If Jesus is to rescue lost people, he must have the power to save them and the power to transform them into his righteous servants so that through them he can advance his kingdom. And this demonstrates who Jesus is. He's divine. He's God in the flesh. Another thing to note is that they're all fishermen. The first four disciples are all fishermen. They were ordinary men from ordinary walks of life with an ordinary occupation. They weren't the religious elite or the high class. They weren't popular. They were, for a lack of a better word, they were normal. The Lord calls the foolish, the weak, the low. The Lord uses men and women such as these. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 28, listen to this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So the first four disciples aren't the great ones of the world. They had neither riches nor rank nor power. And listen, the kingdom of God isn't dependent on those things. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says that his cause advances in the world not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So we praise God that from a few fishermen, the church would begin and spread all over the world. Jesus was going to transform these fishermen and make them leaders who would be instruments for salvation of many. But it all begins by obeying the call to follow him. And in closing, we see Jesus' mission isn't a solo act. Part of the Father's plan was that he would use his redeemed people to continue to advance the kingdom of God. Jesus was on a mission that would end in his death, resurrection, and ascension. And he calls these first four disciples to follow him. He was going to train them to carry on the task. And what do we learn then? What do we see? They follow him immediately and completely. And there's a cost. And again, to quote, it will cost you to follow Christ, but it costs even more not to follow him. You need to abandon anything that would compete with Christ. Think of the disciples. They didn't ask any questions. There wasn't time given for them to say goodbyes. There was no hesitation on their part. Why would they heed Jesus' call? Because the one who calls has authority over sinners. And when Jesus sovereignly calls, the will of the one whom he calls has no other response than to come to him and to follow him. Have you committed your life 
to following Christ? Do you know the one who calls? My challenge and exhortation is, if you don't, don't let another day go by. Christ is calling you, and there are no conditions. You don't have to get your life in order first. Salvation isn't by works. It's a gift of God. In other words, it can't be earned. Salvation cannot be earned. It can only be received like you receive a gift. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what you think of yourself. Come to him as the only hope because salvation is free to those who embrace and receive it. And if you come, Christ will grant you repentance and faith. And to the rest of you, let me ask you, how's your relationship with Christ? Are you following him with integrity, intention, and purpose? Have you died to yourself and started living for him alone? Are you fishing for souls? Are you laboring to draw people out of darkness into light? Are you striving to proclaim the gospel of Jesus so that the lost might be saved alive and not perish eternally? Are you living with a sense of urgency? The reward of following Jesus in discipleship is great and glorious, but on the other hand, to not do so is disastrous and deadly. The road of discipleship will come with many trials and tribulations, but it's the path you must take because it's the path Jesus has himself paved for us by going to the cross. He goes ahead of us and we joyfully and gratefully follow after him as he leads and makes us fisher, fishers of men. We have the privilege of being instruments in the Redeemer's hands. And you know, those who walk most closely with Jesus and who have given up much all seem to have the same testimony. When you talk to older Christians, those who walk most closely with Jesus and who have given up much, they all seem to have the same testimony. They say, I didn't do it my way. I chose to follow Jesus, and that's how I know true freedom. And although it seems like I've sacrificed a lot to follow Jesus, I gave up nothing. Those who truly follow after Jesus will come to realize that they didn't really give up anything. So following Jesus is much more than hitting a button to follow or unfollow someone on Instagram or Twitter. He calls you to prioritize a real relationship with him and to pursue it as the most important relationship in the universe. It requires a heart of trust and complete commitment and it recognizes that whatever the cost, the best, most satisfying, most joy-producing, hope-encompassing purpose in life is to follow Christ. And if you want to experience life in its fullest, listen to John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. True life, life in its fullest, is found only in following Jesus. So give yourself to him and follow him. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks and we come to you now just confessing that we um, just lack uh, faith to trust in you and to be totally committed to you as your disciples and would you help us to become um, the disciples that we ought to be and we thank you for your promise that you will make us become fishers of men and that you teach us and train us and that we you have given us your word, you have saved us, given us your spirit that we may 
have the ability to obey you and the desire to fulfill what you have called us to do. And we pray that we would do it out of um, complete devotion to you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.